This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hello, I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Will. We're going to talk about A Fall of Moon Dust, a 1961 novel by Arthur C. Clarke. And it is the worst Arthur C. Clarke thing I've ever read. Oh, oh that, that, there's a lead-in. How many of you have read a lot of Arthur C. Clarke? Right. I've read a fair amount. I worse than And I've read Je- Jesse, I, I read the sequel like Rama books, some. which are not as Oh, yeah, as okay. Uh, if, if we're including the ones where he's co-writing. Um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Thank you. But not by much, because um, I don't really read those sequel things as like written by what? Look, who is it, like Paul Anderson? Or no, Frederick Pohl and Arthur C. Clarke coming back to the well for another load of cash. No, no, no. It was um, Gary Lee who wrote those sequel Rama books with them, and then he wrote. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it was it was Gary Lee that wrote the sequel Rama books with them. I, he's not my favorite writer, but I do like Arthur C. Clarke a lot. Um, but anybody well, else have okay. a problem with this book? I liked it. I can. I, I, I think like there's liking things I don't know, in there. I was kind of. Yeah, it's, it kind of grew on me over time. Okay. Um, I haven't read much of his stuff, like you know, like Childhood's End, things like that. Yeah. There's uh, a. He, he's but, he's so good for short you stories. Know, I went That's... back and, and read Childhood's End, and I thought it didn't really hold up. I read it when I was like a teenager. Mm. I thought it was really awesome. And it didn't have that same effect when I reread it. He's not perfect. He's, he's no uh, Olaf Stapleton, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, but so Olaf Stapleton is too generous. And you, comparing, comparing anybody to Olaf Stapleton is really unfair. Well, he compared him. He wanted to be Olaf Stapleton, right? He was Olaf Stapleton's biggest fan. So... Uh, yeah, but it, as it, I've discussed earlier, you can't really be Olaf Stapleton. You couldn't even be Olaf Stapleton in 1950, much less 2000. You can be, you can be that, but you can't be a popular writer, and it, or, or, or even a published writer unless you're self-publishing. I don't know about that, but well, what what I, mean, I will he doesn't s- even the, the the fact is he doesn't even have the same ethos as Olaf Stapleton, no. right? Like, no, like, no, like not, not completely. Even, like you can see the. Like, if he professes that he's somebody who's interested in Olaf Stapleton, uh, you can see the influence. Uh, but it's not like – it doesn't feel natural in the way that – I mean, for example, uh, you know, Doris Lessing, like, wrote, like, science fiction novels that were a lot like Olaf Stapleton novels. Um, you know, so, it, I mean, it, it, it's something that happened later. Uh, but, uh, this isn't it. And even in like 2001, where you are kind of on a more cosmic scale and can see like how he could be thinking about Olaf Stapleton, like it's just, uh, it doesn't, uh, August Derelith really like H.P. Lovecraft, but August Derelith is not H.P. Lovecraft, right? Yeah. (laughs) He's fucking terrible. Even like, he's not even worried about the same things, right? Right. Like, so yeah, no, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying he is trying to do Olaf Stapleton here, but that's kind of my point too, is like you, you, you called it a novel, Olaf Stapleton. It's not novels. They're books that are science fiction length and they're fiction, but they're not novels because novels are like this. This is a novel. Um, somebody asked me on Twitter, uh, how many of the 
uh, re Reader's Digest books were science fiction? I said, probably not very many. Turns out that this is the very first one um, mm -hmm. that was condensed. And uh, I, I was showing Misa, I think, the thickness of it inside the book of uh, condensed books. And it's very thin, like a very thin volume. And I now regret... <laughs> Not having read that because I would have liked this a lot more because honestly, I think this is Arthur C. Clarke saying, I'm going to break out. I'm going to be commercial. And it completely worked. It was like the perfect time. I think, think about the timing of this 1961, right? What's in everybody's mind? Space, Space race. race. And we're going to the moon, right? We're going to the moon. And so this is that future. Honestly, everybody on, on board this boat is pretty boring. <laughs> and everything outside the boat, the, the society is fascinating, although we don't get yeah. that much of it. Um, but he's wrong. Like, his basic conception is wrong. Like, if you tried to sell this book today as a science fiction book, well, we're pretty sure that those, like, th this is something that they really were worried about in the first human moon landing, right? They thought... They were afraid of the... Of everyone yeah. sinking into dust, yeah. Just like we should be afraid of Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. It was a construction of our own minds that we're going to sink into the dust. Now, is there a layer of dust on the moon? Absolutely. But it's it's kind of like a powder, right, is what <laughs> Armstrong yeah, yeah. says. It's like, yeah, it's like a it's just a couple inches, maybe, at most. Right, right. But, but the book says that... For most of the moon, that is true, but in this particular crater, in this particular place, it builds, it's built mm -hmm. up, and that's why, that's why the Sea of Thirst is what it is, but the rest of the moon isn't like that. What it reminded me of, the lake. It, it reminded me of, of the great sand dunes in Colorado, mm -hmm. where you have an ancient glacial dune field that, that's 10,000 years old that sit, just sits there because the sand can't go anywhere and the winds and everything just keep it exactly where it is. And so in the middle of middle of the mountains of Colorado, you have a giant pile of sand. That's what this, that's what the Sea of Thirst reminds me of. It's just a weird quirk of lunar geology that's not replicatable, not replicable anywhere. The rest of the moon, there's a couple inches of dust, nothing else. But here it just happens to have built up into this weird, unique thing that they're using for tourism. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it reminded me very much of a 70s disaster movie. Oh, yes. totally. You know, like if you don't take, there's nothing, that's what it is. It's just, it's just like a disaster. <laughs> Indeed, but it's an 11 hour disaster movie. Well, it was long. It was a long disaster movie, but, but, but it was, it was entertaining as it went along. Um, did anyone listen to the audio drama too? I did. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, that, that was nice and short. <laughs> Nice and short. Although they took some liberties, um, with the things that I think were perhaps the most interesting, uh, which were like how wrong he is about not just, you know, the moon, but about society in the future. Like this, uh, that's why I was glad Evan was going to join us because I was thinking about like it's a post scarcity future, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that's happening is, uh, everybody gets an education, even if you're an orphan from, uh, someplace. I think yeah, that that but, was but showing the limitations of thought, Clark's thought. Yes, yes, everyone gets their education, but yes, you still have you you still have barbaric orphanages where you have someone who's emotionally basically scarred by the experience. So he, he didn't have he didn't have the courage to think through all the implications of this <laughs> society. 
I'm gonna yeah, take that as the pull quote. Pessimistic about it, actually, where this idea that everyone needs to be educated just to sort of keep the system going. Mm. Right? I thought it I think was there's a, a couple positive lines thing. that yeah. suggest that. And, and, but, no, yeah. but the, the problem is, like, if not everyone is on board the train, he actually says this somewhere in the, it's written in the book. Like, if not everyone is being educated, the whole system will collapse. And that's, yeah, I, that I thought, I thought, I took it the other way. Like, the system was moving along so brilliantly that we need all the brain power we can to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem very sustainable. Yeah, 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 that's a two sided coin. Yes, we know the brain power to keep going, but if we don't have. But as he's having points, if we don't have the brain power, then things are going to go off the rails. So the education system in this this world outside of this moon bus, um, very weak. Very weak in the sense that I wanted to spend more time, like as a tourist in the solar system, rather than on this goddamn bus at the bottom of the sea of <laughs> dust. But there's. There's lots of interesting world building going on here that he talks yeah. about. I mean, I mean, I mean, he has a whole future history about how culture evolves and changes. How the '90s were, yeah, really those like, '90s songs. Like, I want to know more about what. The, Dude, the bo- uh, that's my point. Is like it, this feels like a book. Of, like it, it feels like a book about the media, right? Like there's so much about the media in this book. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of them. And, 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 and that's and so had, interesting because he's completely wrong about how it would develop, right? We're, we're, this book is still set in our future. I think it's 2030 or something like that. No, it's not quite 2030. But it's it's uh, it's still ahead of maybe 2025. I can't remember. So still ahead of us in our future, right? But they look back on the period of time between 2000, whatever it is in, the, in this story, back to... 1960s and spend a lot of time thinking about how these people were young in the 90s some of them were young these retirees on the moon um and then like what happened to the news industry it's walter Conkright, cronkite all the way from the beginning to the right like nothing changed that's ridiculous and this is the guy this is the guy who basically came up with the idea of geo uh stationary satellites right himself this is one of the things he wrote about that eventually became true and allowed the things that are happening now he's just wrong about how you know media worked and in in such a spectacular way and yet um as you say my it felt like a disaster movie disaster the first disaster movie that can be you know thought of as the disaster movie that is still with us by the way it's just fewer and far farther between just like the western is still with us uh which is also in this book right mm-hmm. um is uh a movie called airport 1970 you all seen this movie yeah yeah great movie really yeah. fun uh lots of good actors uh lots of it's the exact same i, I think that he probably influenced uh, the creation of that industry as a. Or, I, that's or, what I was thinking too. I was like, d- were there disasters before this? Like, there were. Oh, There's oh, a movie like in the 1920s, it's a silent called Deluge, which is based on yeah. a science fiction novel. And it's about a giant tidal wave that hits New York. And, you know, it's great. It's terrible movie because it's, because, <laughs> you know, it's badly written, but it's got some great visuals and you, uh, the focus is wrong, right? It's not, it's not as epic as, as those 1970s movies, which is very much what this book is, is, right? It's, it's like he 
wrote the script and I wanted to answer one of Mice's questions. She had, and I said, save it for the podcast. <laughs> um, was there a movie adaptation of this? And the correct answer is yes. <laughs> but not really. I mean, it's, it's on a, it's a, it's a terrible movie. It's called The Big Bus. <laughs> it's a late 1970s parody. Oh, the nuclear powered bus. Yes. <laughs> the nuclear powered bus. It's a terrible movie. Very funny though. Um, in the sense that it exists. Um, but I, be- I believe Ned Beatty is one of the all-star <laughs> cast. <laughs> and it's about a bus disaster instead of a airport disaster. And of course, airplane, when I was a kid, I, I hadn't seen airport. <laughs> First encounter I had with the disaster movie was the parody of it, which is airplane, Fish. which is such a good movie. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, airplane two, the sequel, uh, which is set in space. <laughs> it's a, it has William Shatner in it, no less. Yes. Yeah, and they're flying. Yeah, yeah well, you got to see it. It's an amazing piece of crap. <laughs> and he's, he's, oh, I got to try and watch that tonight. <laughs> it's good. Um, <laughs> it's it, uh, You watch Air, Airport, uh, sorry, Airplane first, and then watch Airplane 2, the sequel. And uh, okay. it's, a, it's a steep decline. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, it is set on the moon <laughs> with a space shuttle <laughs> instead of... Uh, and there are so many films that are actually like, you know, The Towering Inferno. Uh, there's the one, what's the Hell Upside Down? What's the ship that turns upside down? Poseidon. Poseidon Adventure, right? Uh, that are basically this book. It's a template, yeah. It is the template. Formula, yeah. And the, what I appreciated is that Arthur C. Clarke is going to think, he's thinking about the moon, and he says, Hey, uh, there's probably a lot of dust on the moon looking up at it. We think there's probably a lot of dust up there. So what would dust act like in a vacuum? And I bet what he did was he was looking at these experiments. They pump out, you know, dust out, of, uh, get a, you know, vacuum tube and you pump out all the air and then you put dust in there and see what happens because they're worried about when they get up to the moon, are they going to be able to walk around? So he's paying attention to these details and that's where the plot for the disaster movie that is this book came from. And then he said, okay, and it's a novel because novels are what sell. And that's why it feels like it is. There's nothing wrong with the book. Other than it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I hate this kind of thing. Scott yesterday said something really funny out of the blue. He's not on this show. He's not listening to this book. But it's something <laughs> something that he uh, he is coming to that I came to a long time ago. I think he said, uh, I think, what did he say? I'm ruined for, yeah, I'm ruined for stuff happens books. So stuff happens is, you know, the quotation marks. Nice. <laughs> that is most books, yo. Any book that's a series, pretty much that's it, right? It's stuff happens. Character on a boat, stuff happens. <laughs> so like oh, the, the, the tone of the narrator in this book. Um, now I'm not talking about Oliver Wyman, who's an amazing narrator and my only criticism with what he did in this book is he, he pronounced Jellignite wrong. He said Gelignite? Jellignite. It's Jellignite. It's, it's like pre-dynamite. World War II era dynamite. Or whatever. 
Anyways, um, uh, uh, the narrative tone of the book, the, the narrator says, this wasn't going to work for our people. <laughs> Yeah, right. All kinds of those. Those were those were such fun. It was so weird because it it it's it's like having a narrator in a disaster movie saying, "Well, you think they might escape this, but after the commercial break, we'll see. It didn't work out how they had hoped. Like a weird taffy pull. Like oh yeah, they didn't know that this was going to that they were going to have a disaster. It's like." Yeah, I don't need, he's I totally don't competent. I don't think it's going to happen. He's totally competent, but that's what I'm saying is this is not like Arthur C. Clarke at his best. Um, he's beautiful. Like Olaf Stapleton, like he, he could do beautiful work. The City and the Stars is, is an amazing book, right? And it, it started off as much shorter. Then. Yeah, well, we did the and listeners. Yes, we did that on a podcast. You can listen to it. Mm-hmm. And he's he is really masterful at short stories. You know, um, there's so many, mo- many of them covered on reading short and deep. But that that's why I say you know this is the worst Arthur C. Clarke thing I've ever read, um, barring those sequels. So I'm sorry I ruined it, but uh, you may now go about your business praising this book or whatever. Will did do you have any reaction to it? <laughs> yeah, like a pretty negative one, I think. Oh, really? Um, oh, sorry. Uh, I thought this book was really boring. You're right. Uh, and, and you know, it's a I, stuff I'm happens to book. Put my finger on what exactly it is that I don't like about this book, and I think I know what it is. What is it? Uh, and it's it's a combination of it being really boring <laughs> uh, and also being really didactic. It's like every responsible adult in this story happens to have the opinion that Arthur C. Clarke would have about a topic. <laughs> Um, well, there's some sex like, stuff like that maybe no. Man is saying like you know ultimately it was good that like your oh, yeah, ancestors that was, that was pretty. I knew well, that would yeah, trigger you, Will. When, when you finish with that, I want to talk about him. When you finish, when you when you finish, I want to get. I'm yeah, get, yeah, but I mean, like even that was just like I mean, I found that shocking. Um, and I know that, you know, Arthur C. Clarke can be progressive. Yes, but he's not being progressive, right? He's saying what Arthur C. Clarke's opinion yeah. is. Um, and he does that all throughout it. With the and voice of an aborigine. <laughs> he's, he's saying, I was right to be devolved de- de- of my culture because ultimately we're all spacefaring folks now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're all white men now. That's right. We're all white men now. <laughs> we're all white men now. So 2017. So the year is 2017. That was the year that, that you all know and listeners may remember that I went to Australia and New Zealand for the Down Under Fan Fund. I vaguely remember that, yes. So yeah. toward the end of that trip, I happened to be driving towards Sydney from from the south, from Wollongong, as a matter of fact. And I stopped off at Captain Cook National Park. It's just south of Sydney. I thought this will be this is the place where Captain Cook first landed in Australia. So this will be great. This is this is this is this will be history and it'll be a fun part of South Trip. So I get there. I'm. It's early in the morning because I get up early when I go up on when I go to the trips, and I'm the only one there except for the park ranger who lets me in, and he takes my money, and he happened to be Aboriginal, and he goes off for thirty minutes to me <laughs> about how Abor- how he and his his uh, ancestors were treated by the Australian government, and how people how people don't want to talk about it, and how how he feels this is really wrong, and how. And basically, that this, this park doesn't really show the Aboriginal point of view. He he just he 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 found an audience. He just 
laid into me on it. So for the rest of my time in that park, as I'm looking at these memorials and things, I'm thinking about about his point of view and thinking like, well, he's got a fucking point. <laughs> this, this, this park is all Just give him 15, week, 15 more years and he'll be totally on Clark's side. Right. Yeah, but no, no, but no, but but I had not even thought about. I mean, I mean, it was, I mean, only in the biggest sense thought about these issues until this guy just this, this person who lived this experience basically said, "Well, think about." Basically, told me in a lot of words, "Think about what you're here, what this is celebrating, and why you're here." And what did you're he do doing. this before or after he took your money? Is my question. <laughs> he did. He did after he took my money. But I am polite. He also gave me a cup of coffee. I am polite. And not to mention, I mean, he was an engaging, charming speaker. I mean, yes, he was, he had a very forceful personality, but I mean, and he articulated himself at length, but rather well. And, he made, and as I'm looking at this memorial of Captain Cleveland, it's like, damn, I can't look at this quite the same way now because this, this park ranger has kind of given me a new and different point of view. So when, the, when we have this aborigine show up and he's talking, oh yeah, it's great that the English colonists like, it's like the guy I met in Australia would not agree with you. You, you, he would look at you really badly. Like, no, 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 no. That was the I worst thing to... in the book. Like, yeah. in terms yeah, of well, cancellation, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> if, if, if the thing is, is he so Aboriginal culture? Yeah. No, no, I meant canceling Clark. Oh, canceling. Uh, it, well, nobody's going to do it because he's long dead. Unless there's a new TV show or something, then they'll cancel him. But nobody reads his stuff anymore, right? This is this is one of his most famous books, and it's not very popular. Right? It's not like everybody's talking about it. The reason I wanted to do it is because I found that condensed book with the beautiful illustrations. Yeah, yeah. I wondered, like, well, yeah, what what prompted you to throw this book to to that, us? That's usually what it is. I, I I find a beautiful illustration. I say, wow, that looks really good. I want to read that. Right. Um. And it, it it's a book that I thought I might have read at some point. But I was, I kept thinking about, like, there was a, this great book I read when I was a kid and I want to re- reread. And I was like, way better than this book because it's about, you know, dealing with a problem on the moon, but not, uh, so many whiny boomers on a bus. <laughs> I guess, like, like, I don't actually have a problem with any, any of the action. It all makes sense, but there was a lot of people on that bus. And like the most interesting thing to me, and it was really, really quite interesting in terms of media. I, I think this book is a media book much more than a stupid disaster book. Um, was like that book that they're reading the rose and the whatever thing, Isaac, Isaac uh, Newton having sex with some lady. Oh, um, the orange and the something apple or something. Orange and the apple. Yeah. Something that sounds right. Yeah, apple I, makes I, sense. And the react and the prudish ad- attitudes is. To the one is like that's smart. You can't read that. But but notice also like when they find out on Earth, this book shoots up on the charts. So this is part of the thing that he's actually correct about, right? Clark was kind of a celebrity. Um, you know, later in life he's doing those videos from uh, Sri Lanka, but he he had a lot of media contacts, so he he is very familiar with how it works. And that part is totally true, right? What happens today? Somebody uh, brain farts about some book on, you know, CNN, and all the blue checks start tweeting about it, and then 
that book shoots up on the Amazon charts, right? That's just what happens. People are interested in whatever's currently going on, and then it shoots up on the charts. It's a kind of phenomenon. So, of course, when they hear back on Earth that one of the few things they're doing for entertainment down on the moon bust at the bottom of the sea <laughs> is, the is doing an audiobook uh, and making the Englishman do the narration, <laughs> right? Um and it sounded like a good book. Like I was enjoying those, those raunchy sex scenes in the <laughs> king's house or whatever. Uh, I thought somebody should, maybe somebody has written this book, but I, I kind of want it to exist at least so I can point to the cover and say, look at this. It's amazing. It's a great idea. Um, the, the media stuff in this book is, I think, so interesting with. Yeah. Um, when you remember, I was, when I was reading the part, the media stuff, and, and they said on the streets, on the on the sideways, the buses, like everybody's holding their breath watching. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of um, the movie The Martian, although that's Dude, a much better, this, much better movie. That, it's a much better book, much it's better a much movie. Better movie, but it, it, it's the same as this. It, Martian does it right because it's not a Martian bunch of boomers on a bus. Right? <laughs> yeah, but, and and maybe because there was only him. <laughs> So you don't have the distraction of all the characters, maybe? I don't know. No, you know, you know he's 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 working the problem. Mm -hmm. There's no that the narrative voice is not there, right? The narrative voice is not there. The swearing quotient is higher, which makes it more authentic. <laughs> right? It isn't like it, it this feels like a very Victorian version of of what would like uh, there's a lot of shitty real life disaster movies. Like remember that one where a few years, it happens on CNN every few years. Uh, not lately because they've been Trump, Trump doing, but there's like a plane goes down, right? Or there's a leak of oil into the Gulf. What was that? The, uh, Gulf of Mexico off Texas. They fucked up some well, oil off drilling. Louisiana, I mean, yeah. Yeah. What's it, what was that one called? Uh, anyways, they made him like. DP did it. Uh, oh yeah. But what was the, Deepwater, Deepwater deep Horizon, that's right. Yeah. So they made like a movie of that, right? With like Ben Affleck or something playing the, the, <laughs> the, the engineers are going to solve it with the junk shot. Like okay. the reason that that movie exists is because it was on CNN for like three days or six days or whatever while oil's pumping and pumping and pumping out of the earth into the, the Gulf, killing all the fish, killing all the life. In, in, right. So it's, it's in the popular consciousness. Um, but I didn't want to watch that movie either. Didn't want to watch the, the CNN coverage. Didn't want to watch the movie. It's, it's a, a, a phenomenon, right? But he, in him talking about this disaster and the media's response to it, I think that that was fairly accurate, except for the fact it's not as, cynically corrupt as it is in reality so in I, I guess everybody who listened to the audio drama noticed that there were some differences there right like the way they get the story is given mm -hmm. right that was much more cynical and modern than the way it is in the book which is very clinical yeah. and yeah, and yeah, walter cronkite a deal basically yeah, that's right uh, yeah the walter walter cronkite era probably was a lot more um uh, corrupt than many people know. And we know, you know, media has always been sort of 
under the thumb of governments and vice versa, right? But in particular now, the phenomenons are so incredibly... Usually it's not for disaster stuff like this, but sometimes it is, right? The, the fake disasters. And this is very important, right? You, wars get started over this stuff. Right, that whole Spanish-American War, basically, <laughs> uh, which had massive effects across the world. Right, it's the occupation of what was the occupation of of the Philippines was eighteen ninety five to nineteen forty nine, eighteen ninety eight, eighteen ninety eight until until I don't know. It was it was after World War Two. It was after World War II. That's a hell of a long time. And they, the way they were talking about it in the media back then, it was a colony, right? Their move, people were moving there. One of Clark Ashton Smith's stories sold to a magazine, a pulp magazine. It's a little pre-pulp, but it was a pulp magazine, uh, for white people who are governing in the Philippines, right? And that happened because they wanted a war. They got their war and it, it gets that coverage. Um, so this book is like token, right? It's just a nice, cute disaster with everybody saved at the end. It's like the boy fell down the well story with, or the puppy fell down the well story with a happy is. ending, right? Mm -hmm. Which I hate. I hate those stories because I don't <laughs> learn anything from them. That um, explains why you, that explains a reason why you hated this book. So yeah. I, I, it's, I, I, there was lots of things I liked about it, but it's way too long. It's a stuff happens thing, right? The fact that the bus takes forever to get un, you know, saved, but all the stuff like, um, they're making their own culture, um, right? I thought that was kind of cool, like the playing cards, like right? that. That's kind of cool, but it's still, it's okay, like fi filler. Finding ways to use themselves. I mean, what, 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 as this, as the book was starting, I was wondering if this is going to be. At first, I thought it was going to be. Because when they the skis go over and they miss them, it's like, okay, are they going to have to get out by? Is this going to be one of those Heimlinian engineer ones where they all get out by their own efforts? Or and then finally, it became clear that this was going to be a rescue story instead. And like, yeah, it's, it, very realistic, right? It, realistic. That's what he's going for, right? He's going he, for he, realism. He go to the realistic, yeah, d d yeah, d yeah, disaster porn, like airport <laughs> sort of movies where it's like. Oh God! What's going to happen now? Oh no! He 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 turned he turned the he turned the boat because he was so drunk drunk on. And that's why airplane works so well is because it's making fun of these tropes. All those characters at the airport. Oh no! Now there's a fire in the, mm -hmm. now there's a fire right. in the bus. And and the uh, the captain has to overcome his World War II fear from when he was trauma. We got the Commodore for that, right? But well, like, but I, I, and I did find that interesting the the whole Commodore captain thing because the the Commodore takes control pretty quickly, and then there's a tension because because of the love of a good woman, the the captain <laughs> and the Commodore realizing he can't take control. I thought. For a while, like, oh, okay, so the commons is going to run this for the rest of the rest of the book, but then the captain reasserts himself. But it's really him becoming a man and being worthy of marrying and his choosing wife, his choosing wife. to settle right. down with the yeah. girl who's been a hero. That's he right. He became a hero, and yeah. So, I, I mean, the, what, the what about the sexual politics in here? Because I, 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 that's the other thing that was hilariously wrong, right? To me, the, the sex scene. You mean? No, the sexual <laughs> politics, like the sex scene. 
today would be handled very differently. But m- more importantly, like, think about, like, 1961, what other things are on people's mind? It's the pill, right? It's coming. We're going to be sexing it up pretty soon. It's going to radically change society, miniskirts, all that stuff, right? This this is coming. And yet, what, 60 years in the future? Everybody's still <laughs> repressed, right? Women are worried about their reputation. And well, there was a really hilariously weird line. Um, and it was weird hearing it in the audio drama as well because the BBC Saturday Night Theatre audio drama, because I thought of it differently the second time I heard it. So the line was, um, she doesn't want to take the sleeping drug, which, by the way, nobody should take random sleeping drugs just because some guy says you should. Um, anyways, uh, no, she doesn't want to take the sleeping drug because she thinks you're, you'll take advantage of her. And she says, I've never been so insulted. And then he says... He says, me neither. That was horrible, too. No, no, what's interesting is the second time I heard it, I thought, why is that funny? Because it's supposed to be funny, right? The first time we hear it, uh, I heard it, I was like, uh, she's supposed to be the fat lady. So that's, and she has a crush on the captain. So well, she's a skinny old lady. Oh, it's a skinny old lady. Okay. It was one, one of the, they're all boomers. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all not sexy for the captain, right? Um some of them are cute some of them are nice and funny and but anyways, this is oh she was the old maid who wanted to have sex. She was jealous of the of the stewardess, right? So she she looks at the captain and she's jealous, so she makes that remark about them having sex in the back cabin even though they hadn't, right? And then she, this person says, she's just afraid you'll take advantage of her, right? Now, what's weird is the first time I heard it, I thought this is like him saying, I would never have sex with you. But then the second time I heard it, I was like, um, take advantage of means rape. And if you said, uh, he's just, she's just worried you'll, uh, rape you. And he says, I've never been so insulted. Like, how could you think I could do that? Right? Whereas the first time I heard it, I, I think it was the way it was intended. You see what I'm saying? That's how I heard it, the, the way you said it the first time. Yeah, the intended, right? Like, yeah. like uh, he's insulted because he, he wouldn't. It's that line from Churchill, right? He says, uh, what's the lady? Lady Asquith says, um, uh, if you are my husband... I'd poison your tea. <laughs> and then Churchill says, "My madam, if you are my wife, I'd drink it. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's why you like Churchill, even though he's such a bad dude, right? <laughs> you like him because he's got these lines. And it might not Bon-Bots, even be Churchill. Yes. Beaumont. Yeah, right. Such a great Beaumont, line. Like- I think that was in, it was, I think it was Churchill. Anyways, or it's attributed to Churchill. Anyways, that's the way I thought of it, right? I thought of it, it was a, just a comedy piece. But if you think of it like, because that uh, audio drama is from the 80s, I think, maybe the early 90s. Um, Saturday Night Theater is a great series. It, it is basically movies uh, as audio dramas, right? It's an hour and a half uh, version of this story, cutting out a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. Anyways, um, it's weird. That's a cultural change 
that he doesn't seem to have anticipated. Yeah, he yeah. can't anticipate, but also he's writing for an audience that is, you know. <laughs> I mean, you from the sixties, popular audience in nineteen sixty one. Yeah, like he I was mean, writing I mean, for nineteen sixty one. He wasn't thinking. No, that's uh, it's sixty he years ago. I no, mean, in a sense, this is not a science fiction movie so much as is a disaster. It, is it? It's a tech. It's it really a, not very science fictiony, even though the the science fiction elements are hard SF, right? As hard as you can imagine. It's just really boring. It's, it's like uh, the properties of this dry powder completely desiccated for millions of years is very different in an earth gravity verse. Like, that's all true. I just don't care. It's just so boring. <laughs> I, I, I mean, granted, granted, I mean, the mountains of inaccessibility sound cool and like that'd be great to photograph there. But yeah, the movie, the, the novel is ultimately as dry as the, as the sea, it's as as this uh, sea itself. The, but as a social SF book, as a social SF book, it's both good and bad. As a hard SF book, it's interesting, but altogether, it's kind of bad. That's that's the way I see it. But Mice, you you enjoyed it. I, I it was popcorn. I thought it was like popcorn. You know, it was very popcorn. I, you, you don't. It, there's no deep thinking there. No. But I wanted I wanted to spend much more time thinking about those the media, the the culture the culture down there, or or even like the throwaway bits about just how common space travel is. Either. There's, there's right, all they're all over the solar system. They're focused on this bus at the bottom of the. Dust well, we can divert a divert a rocket from Legr- to Lagrange and then back to the moon casually. It's like that that's. I mean, that's just a whole lot about what the solar system's like. I mean, even just the fact that there's tourists on this thing is 20%. There's a lot of implications that aren't fully explored, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, mean, I mean, this this movie made me think of the board game High Frontier, which is all about moving stuff around the solar system and basically have different kinds of orbits and different kinds of trajectories. And I was thinking like, how could how could you actually do that so that the Ori could actually get to Lagrange and then to the moon in a rational amount of time? Yep. There's a, there's interesting stuff outside of this room at the bottom of the sea. Oh, <laughs> 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 Right. I mean, I don't think there's that much more to say about about it other than I was thinking about how much stuff happens quote-unquote, in it. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of... It's why it was successful, though. That's what's so weird, right? This, I think, is one of his most famous books. But I, I kept thinking... I, I think I was going to mention this before. I, there's a book I read when I was a kid. I'm like, this Monica Hughes? Anybody read any Monica Hughes? No. no. Oh, dude, she's so good. Or was, when I was a kid. Probably the very first SF I was, you know, getting into as books. Um is uh her book is one's called Crisis on Con Shelf 2 and uh there's one set under under the sea where there's some ki- it's basically a Heinlein juvenile where some kid goes down to the bottom of the sea we're living here now and mom's like or dad's like sorry kid we're living here now go go swim with your friends <laughs> and then there's another one that's set on the moon and it's like this except uh where you know it's 
it's like uh, Red Planet, except on the moon, right? It's kids running around on the moon getting into trouble, uh, I don't know, Hardy Boys style or Nancy Drew style. Um, Nancy and Drew short. It actually sounds good, actually. It does, right? It, uh, Nancy yeah. Drew on the Moon sounds like a great book we should all write right now <laughs> on <Yeah>. Twitter. <laughs> was, was the one you were thinking of, Jesse, um, The Deep Range? Uh, that that, that is a Clark this. book, right? The, huh? Deep Ra- the Deep Range is a Clark book. That's, um, yeah. No, no, the, this is, uh, this author, Monica Hughes, she's from Alberta. Oh, oh, oh sorry, sorry. Right. H-U-G-E-S. Um, she's not very well thought of today. I don't hear anybody talking about her. Uh, but she wrote a ton of these very thin volumes. Died in 2003. Um, yeah, Crisis on Con Shelf 10, 1975 book. Um, it's her debut. Um, and it's about kids living at the bottom of the sea. Oh, okay. Um, there's no, no details about it there, but, uh, Earth Dark, that's the name of the one. Uh, Crisis on Con Shelf 10 2. <laughs> I think that must be it. Yeah. I know they're too long for you, Jesse, but I'll recommend it for the, for our listeners and for the rest of the podcast. Uh, Ian McDowell has a trilogy of novels set on a future corporate dominated moon called the Luna series. And the first book is Luna New Moon. Then there's Luna Wolf Moon and then there's Luna Moon Rising. I haven't read the third one yet. And he also has a short story. Set in the same world. Basically, it's about, I think it's 22nd century. And basically, uh, but families feuding on the moon. So there's lots of hard SF as they're, as one point, they have to basically run for their lives onto the lunar surface out of the, out of the colonies. And there's lots of corporate intrigue and extrapolations of what culture would like be like on the moon and how would, and how, how do you survive in an environment that wants to kill you? And, and and what and I think uh, Evan might like the uh, the social and economic aspects of how how there's tensions between people who want stuff to be free and then the people who basically want to monetize the very air you breathe and mm. they're long books and so maybe Jesse will never listen to them but they're good yeah books. I'm not a See, fan McDonald's of long um, I'm not a fan of long um, no they're like sixteen hours each uh, it makes thing, me so. it makes me think it's time to revisit Heinlein's. Uh, moon book but um, uh it's well, it's the, the it's, short story is telling you about actually is a resonant with um you remember the story the menace from earth right of course so 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 basically the that's, short story and i can't that's that's one where a girl goes to the moon and learns to fly it. yeah so yeah it's good it's it's good it's good stuff so uh, this is a description of uh the earth dark book by monica hughes um, this is a science story, science fiction story set on the moon. Kepler Masterman found life on the moon a little difficult on his return from an adventurous and exciting trip to Earth. Seeking adventure, he took a forbidden trip to the moon's surface. He got much more than he had bargained for and nearly lost his life. On his return to base, he found his girlfriend's father had disappeared. Danger was everywhere, and in the unknown region of Earth Dark, Anne and Kepler walked into a trap. See, it's like kids on the moon solving mysteries fun right and hard sf in the sense that it uses the moon from the 70s rather than the moon from you know i don't know i guess moon from yeah the it would be uh 1890s or 1901 right when wells was writing about the moon is there's mushrooms growing there (laughs) all sorts of good stuff um yeah so 
I don't think there are, is an audiobook of anything by Monique Hughes, but, um, yeah, slim volume, kids running around having fun in the moons, no boomers and buses at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> you should get somebody okay. to read it. Uh, it's not public domain. Oh. But I totally would. I totally would. Published 1977. She's not going to be dead 50 years f- till 2053. So, <laughs> which is a ways away. But, uh, y'all saw my idea. Get, um, uh, what's his name? Keith David to narrate, uh, The Hobbit in 2023. Cause Mm-mm. Keith, you know, Keith David? Don't know who he, I, no. Uh, he's, he's the, if you've seen, um, uh, you've seen, um, what's the movie? Did he do a TV show? Uh, he does do a TV show. It's called Greenleaf. Um, but, uh, eight o'clock in the morning, aka, um, They Live. He's, he's the, uh, second lead. He's the guy who, uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper punches in the face oh, until he put, makes him put on his glasses. Oh. Two weeks. That's the best I can do. Two. You better go. What's I that from? Hoping they never find you. That's when they live. Is that? They never find you. Okay. Um, he's also in uh, the thing. He's the. He's one of the men on the run from <laughs> the thing in the thing. Anyways, he's he's a great actor. Really funny. Um, him reading The Hobbit would be amazing. I was just thinking, like, yeah, that's that. You don't get some guy with an English accent. You get Keith David. He's he's got this growly voice. It's so good. <laughs> well, we'll see. He hasn't responded to my tweet yet, but I was like, well, that that'd be that'd be worth raising money for, right? Get it, whatever rights, uh, not rights, whatever rates he uses. Um, it'd be f- relatively easy, I think, to. To raise money for that. Cause it's a, it's only 11 hour audiobook. It can't be that much. Right? I don't want to pay him out of pocket. I don't have that much. Whatever it is. Whatever's. Are you assuming the habit goes into public domain then? It will in Canada if the laws don't change. Everything no, by him. There, 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 there's, there, there, that's a giant if with a, with an I the size. Well, that's of right. Because, you know, you just elected Biden. Biden's gonna try and fuck up our copyright laws in the way that oh shit we just lost somebody who did we lose somebody went away was it me i I lost you you for a second okay we lost you for a second okay i was just saying biden's gonna try and fuck up our copyright laws and he probably will be able to whereas trump was probably unable to although he did do that horrible new free trade agreement right so maybe We'll see. Might be all your fault, Paul. Keep <laughs> yeah, David. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't your boss's job to fuck up my copyright laws. No, I I won't uh, blame you for that directly. I'll I'll do it indirectly with snide comments behind your back. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Okay. Great, great content. Great content. <laughs> I think we're done, aren't we? Um, uh, r- real grown-up stuff. Um, <laughs> Are we done? I think we're done, aren't we? Is there more on this book? I, 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 um, well, I have I one have, question. Okay. It's about these. 
how do you put it? The boomers in the in the bus, right? Boomers in the yeah, bus. At the bottom of the seat is entertaining the the boomers, right? Yes, like, enter, entertaining these these old rich people and the people reading the condensed that, that's books. That kind of was my initial reaction to the book. Uh huh. It's, it's just a bunch of rich people. How do I care? Well, yeah, not that's, super rich, the but yeah. The post scarcity thing's interesting because it seems everyone is kind of. For a while, you think like maybe everyone's got this education, everyone's got their place in the technocracy, but there's also like these laborers living in igloos, you mm-hmm. know, doing the hard labor. Right. And so it's it, not totally it, classless. Yeah, yeah. It's it made clear that not everybody can go to the moon. There's a. For- I mean, but if Arthur C. Clarke wrote a book about like miners in a, you know, stuck in a coal mine, you know, how much effort would he put into thinking about like we got to really entertain these people? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, but see, it's the audience, his target audience, right? He's trying to make some cash. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to buy a house in Sri Lanka. Um, <laughs> that's going to take some cash on the state. Um, if you, if you look at the, well, that's um, why I wasn't shocked about the, the, the idea about the aboriginals because I just, well, there's two other well, English, other He's English. So I don't, wouldn't expect anything else. There's two me. other bus, bus people who are in the book. Four stuff happens. Um, but I thought it was interesting as well because it reflected on the outside world, outside the bus. One was the fraudster, the guy who stole the credit card, which again was something very futuristic at the time, right? Credit cards are not a thing yet. Um, he had this gold card or black card or whatever it is and he stole it and he, he's, uh, run on the run and then the detective is chasing out. He's also the UFO guy. Yeah, the UFO guy. Yeah, the UFO guy. He's, yeah, the, he's, the UFO he's guy. Will on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> From the 50s. And what's funny is there's a lot of UFO talk in here, and Clark is very dismissive of it. Um, Rightly so. But uh, <laughs> that's not something that's in the public domain of our conversation these days, right? This is something Joe Rogan talks a lot about, is all these amazing videos that are coming out of NASA now that you know, the lids off and what they call the chick lid or something that's moving at speeds of unbelievable. Like, the honestly, chick-lit? what the heck? No, is it's the tic tac. They call it the tic tac. So there's this video where it appears to be a, uh, uh, aircraft or some spacecraft moving, uh, so fast that it's impossible under modern physics. And I say, yeah, it's called like a phenomenon we don't understand. It's not a fucking alien. Right. But people are obsessed with these things. Um, and Clark is rightly dismissing the, those things. Yeah. I think. He's mer- he's merciless about UFO conspiracies, which I yes. appreciate. We, but, <laughs> but he also noticed what he does is he, he poisons the well, which I think is un- unfair. So, Will, I hope you're not in tears and muted right now. Oh, yeah, I'm just weeping because, uh, like, not only do I, like, really, really, really believe in UFOs. Me like, too, I, Will. Yeah, I, I can't I'm teasing, I'm like, teasing. Like the idea that there are uh, uh, snake oil salesmen who um, <laughs> go about the world. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you all a story. Yeah. Um, one, of my, uh, one of my mutuals on Twitter, uh, as we call them, I won't, I won't say which one, uh, uh, shared with me. Uh, no, it's not you. Uh, <laughs> shared with me a story about um, uh, a relative of his uh, who uh, is into the UFO stuff, mm-hmm. and 
this guy with the big hair who's on Ancient Aliens. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he sent a he sent this person uh, uh, a text uh, that was you know a picture of his penis and uh, <laughs> uh, that, uh, his wife was out of town. You know, so like I mean, it's just like these people are. Uh, they're taking advantage of oh something God. very real, uh, that, like some longing that people have inside of them. Oh yeah, for, for it's spiritual, spiritual, right? Yeah, they they want to be they want to be part of something bigger. Conspiracy is uh, the thing is is they're real, right? They're they're absolutely conspiracies. UFOs are real. Yeah. No, no, not the uh, well. See, that's uh, it's so broken that. The word unidentified flying object now means alien spaceship. <laughs> but no, even but though the U stands for unidentified flying objects exist, like I'm, I'm not uh, saying. Uh, well, yes, you, alien spaceships exist. Yes, but the, the, people conflate the two, right? So this guy, he, he, this credit card fraudster, right? He, um, he's saying, you know, they're after me. This is all caused by me. It's center of attention. I think Clark has. He has captured this fairly well, but then what did he? What does he do? He shows that this guy even, I guess, like the whole that whole conversation is sunk because it turns out that he's a fraud. He's a fraudster being followed by a detective who's also on the bus. Well, I think more to the point, he's the one guy who, I guess, on his own merits, on his own like bank account, <laughs> couldn't afford to go to the moon. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And then, then that right. goes against the whole. So know, the, the one guy with the crazy idea. It's not a post scarcity planet uh, for sure. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's the one or satellite. He's 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 the more working class element, right? Right, and he's dismissed, right? But he's uh, sympathetic to prosecute. <laughs> there's another guy. There's another guy at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, he's literally too sympathetic to prosecute. Ridiculous. They're like, oh, no, people will want to, like, scam us because this is awesome. There's <laughs> another guy in the bus, ex-drug addict. Um, and I thought, like, that's a way of dismissing. Like, that's the thing is, is if you watch these disaster movies, right, there's that whole plane load of people, right? <laughs> and they're supposed to represent society. There's the black guy. <laughs> there's the nun. Right. <laughs> There's, there's the Harry Krishnas or whatever. It's supposed to represent. There's no pet in danger in this book. That's what Odyssey Clark missed. There's no, there's no pet to put in danger. There's no children in, in fact, right? Which Not until the very end, end, Jesse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Or they are trying to make some moon babies. It's true. <laughs> but uh, the the representation, right? Uh, it, it, it's why that scene in Airplane is so good, where there's the lady who's, calm down, get a hold of yourself, and then they line up right, <laughs> to beat her. And you see the guys who only speak jives punching their fists as they get closer, and there's a nun with a baseball bat, right? And and then they're, it, like, it, it, it is mock, it's 100% mockable. And he's, yet, it's so early, you can't mock him for it yet, but you could totally rewrite this book as a parody book. Um, just make it shorter. <laughs> I think I liked it because I heard the audio drama first. Ah, uh, oh, I really, really liked. And then yeah, it's good it. audio drama. It's yeah, well that, done. That might have been the best way to go. 
<laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I think that condensed book, I might scan it. I don't know what I can do with it because it's not public domain. But just the text and look at the l- length of it. I-, I used to think of the people who read Reader's Digest condensed books as like idiots. You know, like you want to read, but you don't really want to read. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. program. That's, that's all uh, my grandpa I, used to read. <laughs> but maybe he was right. Then. Maybe he was he 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 knew what he was doing. I just think like I don't want anybody abridging my Mark Twain, right? That's what I think. I don't want anybody abridging my Mark Twain. Did did, did I read a quote from uh, Arthur C. Clarke, and he said I didn't read the the um, mm-hmm. Reader's Digest because I thought it would have been better than what it did. Well, <laughs> I think that sounds kind of humorous, but I think he's probably right. Right. Well, just like just like the, I think I think in many cases the the audio drama was better than the actual novel. Although I would like to see more of the ideas from the novel that we don't explore into the audio drama. I think the audio drama is much punchier and mm-hmm. gets the point across. Yeah. It's uh, the the abridgment, or I, they call it condensation, right? Which is kind of funny for the sea of thirst. Yeah. Uh, three hundred forty, page three forty seven. To page four oh four. That's very short. Three. That's it. Three hundred pages. Yep. Three. So basically, three hundred fifty pages. Page three fifty to page four hundred is fifty pages. That's that, that. I think that's a little too much. That's what you would think, right? That's like two hours, right? But what did what did we do with the uh, not even? But what did we do with the audio drama? We did the condensation, right? It's yeah. taking out. And that's why I think it is better. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it's the problem is, it's why I don't like this book is because I like Arthur C. Clarke and this is him writing a novel, right? Writing to a novel length thing. But he has, a, doesn't he have another book called Earthlight? That I think is similarly popular. I mean, I mean, um, I think Earthlight is one of the yep. books. Um, 1955. Yes. Yes. Well, Earthlight is a collection of. Uh, it's an expansion. It says of a book uh, yeah. earlier. So he he um he is trying to be a commercial writer like like Bradbury. You know, Bradbury's doing it with short stories that he's putting together as fix ups. But I think he's just he's just trying to make some money, which you know everybody has to in the system we've got. But unfortunately, with his name on the side of it, it makes me. More wary now. Well, there's plenty of authors and books out there, Jesse. You don't have to read another Arthur Clarke if you don't want to. Yeah. You can but, move but, on to something. But you can move it's on hard to, to know, right? I hadn't read the book before, so I, I didn't know I, I that it was going to be like I, this. I mean, I read. I mean, I saw 2001 and 2010, and I'm trying to remember the last Arthur C. Clarke I actually read. I mean, I read I read Rendezvous with Rama, which I do like. I read the sequels, which oh god, we we wrote with Gentry like oh god, why did I read those? Um, Songs of Distant Earth, kind of, kind of. Yeah, there's one. There's one that's under the sea, farming, farming whales. I think, isn't it? Deep range. No, Songs of Distant Earth is set on a, on another planet. That, see, that's a kind of a will book. Yeah, I'm basically a, a generation ship trying to escape the destruction of the Earth lands on a planet, but then in the meantime, before Earth gets destroyed, it meant hyperspace technology, so they show up and and there's not much of a plot or 
not even really interesting uh, world building. It's more like the conflict between the colony that's been there, having been done by the generation ship, and then these interlopers who came from Earth on hyper on high, in hyperspace. So, hmm. I mean, it has interesting things about like vacuum drives and stuff. But yeah, I got it. Doesn't this little and and, and, and what's his name? Um, Mike Oldfield turned it into an album. Apparently, uh, the crew of Apollo 15 named a bunch of craters near their landing site after science fiction novels. One of them is called Earthlight. Hmm. Well, um, that I mean, I mean, there's plenty of solar system objects named after science fiction stuff. That make, that's no yeah, surprise. but uh, science uh, fiction novels is pretty cool. Um, it also says that Earthlight here um, has the space battle. Only time Clark ever wrote such a scene, intended as a specific homage to. A chapter of E.E. Uh, e. Doc Smith's Skylark 3. And there's another scene. Um, this should be of Will interest. No, I, I, I'm not trying to diss Will. I'm saying, Will, this, I want to do this. Um, yeah, no, so, I, I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening. The scene where the crew of the Akron come across, have to cross the to the Pegasus without spacesuits was inspired by Stanley G. Weinbaum's Red Perry, which I've read a, a lot about. And it, it, I guess it was in that, uh, giant 45 minute <laughs> essay about Weinbaum. If you guys remember that on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. the Red Perry came up mm-hmm. again and again. Um, and that, Sounds pretty cool. It's the only Weinbaum story set on Pluto. <laughs> but see, it's going to be short. <laughs> Full yeah. text of the novella online. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. Podcast numbering, because I don't know what number it'll be, but it's going to, we're going to space them out at least by a week. (laughs) Are you doing something different? Yeah, uh, uh, Misa did a audio drama interview talk to thing. Um, with Julie Hoverson, oh, and and uh, then we're gonna do also uh, uh, Ace Two and then Ace Three, her audio drama series. We did Ace One years ago. How many? Seven years ago? Did you say? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It well, it's time ago. for the follow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, within the space of well, let's see if we space it out right, it'll be over a year because. Because one will be December and one will be January. There you go. All right. So, um, everybody ready? Let me get my recorder started. Oh, please. And, uh, Will, you you said you had one. Have you uh, tried it out before? It's it's going. Cool. All right. Um, Pre-chat material. (laughs) What do we have here? Some story about, let's see, uh, oh yes. Evil female AIs. <laughs> Monica yeah, Byrne, somebody on the internet with a, with a blue check. Well, we just have to submit to her will. Um, 
Uh, she says, I think about this every time I read about an upcoming sci-fi flick where some feminine gendered AI, quote, gets out of control, unquote, and or, quote, must tragically die. Bleg. Is that how you pronounce it? B-L-E-G-H? Blurg. Blur. There's no R. Bleg. Bleg. Black. It's in English. It's in English. Is it? Is it? Is that an? Is that a real word? Is that in the dictionary? No, no I'm just trolling. Okay. Because I know B L E C H is something they used to say in like Archie comics. Oh, oh, it is. It's in Urban Dictionary. A sound frequently made by metal and hardcore vocalists between lines of songs. Nobody knows why. Hope is a prison, bleg. I don't know. Um, I think that's trolling me. And then the last line is, come on. And then she is quoting her own. This is a very clever thing to do. This is, I, I believe this is called uh, humble bragging. <laughs> You're a blue check. And you say, I think about this every time I read. <laughs> and then she humble brags by quoting her own TED talk. So. I think. Or maybe not. Maybe this is from a book. Anyways, she says, I want to draw special attention to the treatment of AI, artificial intelligence, thank you, uh, in these narratives. Whatever narratives they are, it's some extract, right? Think of Ex Machina or Blade Runner. I spoke at TED two years in a row, and one year there were back-to-back -back talks about whether or not AI was going to evolve out of control and, quote-unquote, kill us all. Um, I realize that that scenario is just something I've never been afraid of. And at the same moment, I notice that the people who are terrified of machine superintelligence are almost exclusively white men. I don't think anxiety about AI is really about AI at all. I think it's certainly, oh, I'm sorry. I think it's certain white men's displaced anxiety upon realizing that women and people of color have, have and have always had sentience uh okay is that the right word i don't know sentience 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 yeah. sentience. Sentience. Uh, sentience and are beginning to act on it and are beginning to to act on it on scales that are they are unprepared for there's a reason that most Sorry, there is a reason that AI is almost exclusively gendered as female in fiction and in life. There's a reason they're almost exclusively in service positions in fiction and in life. I'm not worried about how we're going to treat AI some distant day. I'm worried about how we treat others now. Today, all over the world, far worse than anything that's depicted in AI movies. It's It matters that still the vast majority of science fiction narratives that appear in popular culture are imagined by, written by, directed by, and funded by white men who interpret their crumbling of their world as the crumbling of the world. There and the are italicized. So, Paul, I'm sure you have yes. a brilliant take on this because I think you retweeted it. Is I that, did. That's how I found out about this. What was your, you agree with this? Well, not every AI is gendered female, but well, yeah. like I think maybe Siri and Google and right. I mean, would you say a vast majority, Paul? Alexa. Yeah, like, I, 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 when when an AI is given a gender at all, and a lot, I'm, I know you're thinking how there is not really gender, not really gender. <laughs> yeah, when my, an AI is gendered at all, 
there does that whole the evil female AI gender thing does seem to be a thing. Um, another point to data: a novel I read just this year. Forget Professor Moriarty from Star Trek. You mean? Oh, well, he 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 is a counterexample. No, I think there's a lot of counterexamples, and I think to say vast majority is hyperbolic. I think this is there may be an issue. There may be an issue with the portrayal of female AIs. I'm open to that argument. It's just this seems to be over-arguing the point. It, it, I, 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 I think there's, there's, a, there's a finger or maybe a hand or even a something larger on the scale. But I was just thinking of a novel <laughs> I read a couple months ago. And it turns out that, yes, there's a female AI in the book that, yes, is turns out to be the villain. Surprise! Because... Yeah, because That's empowering, Paul. Neuromancer? What's the name of the AI? <laughs> Neuromancer. There's two. There's okay. Wintermute. Wintermute and Neuromancer. Are those female? I don't think so. They're, I don't remember. They're no, not. No, well, the, 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 the AI, they're a little boy. <laughs> the, um, the, the, the AI in, uh, in um, Player of Games, the second one, the, the second drone. Lots of AIs in there. Seems, seems to be female, although it's actually the original one that seems to be more male, at least, at least that's the way I, I read that so, one. So, uh, what, what, what about... AI is in Blade Runner? Three, there's three, three. Yeah, right? see, that was a weird... That was a very that, that, weird... That, 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 that's, that's kind of special point. pleading on her part. That's true. Okay, uh, let's hear from Will. He, he tried to interject in there for a second. Oh, um... Did I? <laughs> right near the beginning. I, I swear you did. Um, yeah, I, I just... Uh, uh, I don't know. I think there's uh, uh, some of the underlying premises uh, with the argument seem to not work. Um, some? The whole thing is stupid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I mean, if it's stupid to ask the question of how female AIs are portrayed compared to male AIs. I think that's an interesting question. I just Exactly. Going through yeah. my head, I, I don't think it's like overwhelmingly like women like females no yeah, yeah, right the I, bad I think, ais aren't overwhelming with female i mean yeah that, that that part of the argument that oh yeah it uh ais are overwhelming females isn't correct but the 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 treatment of female ais with few exceptions is needs work i mean i mean the, the, the exception i can think of right off the bat is her well, we actually get a sympathetic female AI, which I haven't seen doesn't that. go crazy or anything stupid. I'm, I'm busy crying over how Jarvis was treated. Who's Jarvis? Oh, is that um, that's <laughs> Iron Man? That's, that's, that's Tony's. Yeah, AI. he got turned into that's a Tony's AI. He got, uh, he got it, turned into but, an Ultron. But but you know you notice the Tony also has Friday as his suit AI, and also the. Also she never goes crazy or kills anyone. Or... Not yet, but she's also in Spider-Man's suit. So you know, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. You'll see, there's plenty of Marvel comics where there are female AIs going, going a little uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, also, well, not evil, but it's like just... examples. I, I I don't know Marvel comics that well. I know Ultron. Are there a lot of female crazy. AIs in in the comics? Yeah, the, 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 there was a whole bunch in the eighties and nineties. Really? Yeah, you, usually, usually, usually Tony Stark's fault, of course. No female AIs, though, right? Yeah, 
Yes. Really? Yeah, okay. Just, I I didn't re- it's, really it's, read it's, Iron it's, Man at all. Tony Stark or um, or Fantastic Four. I didn't read either of those no, at all. No, well, th- thankfully, what's Reed Richards usually wasn't fall for these. Thankfully, Reed Richards is, is possibly the most ethical of the scientist superheroes, whereas Tony Stark and um, and what's his name? Um, Hank Pym. Hank Pym are n- are definitely not by comparison. Well, Will, Will, do you remember any of these? Yeah, I, I'm trying. I'm like stuck on. Um, uh, I'm stuck on AIs that aren't like totally gendered female. Uh, here, I keep thinking about Master Mold, who's like it's like a male AI that is just constantly giving birth. <laughs> it's sort of an interesting thing. This um, must be in DC Comics, though. <laughs> No, no, that's that's in Marvel Comics. Wow, X-Men, right? Like that's the, oh, really? The sentinel that it's been a long time. Other sentinels. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, and then uh, your favorite uh, Jesse uh, Heinlein. I'm thinking about the the computer and uh, Moon is a harsh mistress. Is a Mike. is a non-binary Mike AI. Is, yeah, he, he's he's male when he talks to men, and he's female when he talks to females. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think about Just like in, uh, Arthur C. Clarke's, uh, you know, big, like, you know, most famous thing. The AI is male, right? 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The evil AI. Dude, is male. you should have seen my quote tweet um, <laughs> on this um, article. That was so funny. I laughed for about five minutes. Did you did y'all see it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Paul, did, you, Paul must have seen it. I did. He he said nothing about it. He thought it was not funny. Um, uh, I, I I I think I messaged you that I didn't find it funny. Or was no, it no, that, that was a different. Funny. That was a different. That tweet. was a different thing. I didn't. Find that was funny. a second. Oh, yeah, which was really weird, Paul. I don't understand. Uh, that was really awesome. We're. Uh, I I disagree. But, okay. You know, well, here's the quote tweet. I can see that you're really upset about this. I honestly think you ought to sit down calmly, take a stress pill. And things think, and things think so far. <laughs> and then it's the Hal 9000i, you know. Um, <laughs> that's what he says to Dave. Yeah. He's, he's trying to murder him. <laughs> so that's an awesome quote tweet. Um, Misa clearly has nothing to say as a woman. I it is her position I, I not to I be able to speak. I got stuck uh-huh. not on the AI part. And because AI, it's just a voice. They're not male or female. Well, just, uh, Ex Machina is the first one mentioned, right? But okay, Elma, yeah, okay, she is. But but like our AIs here, yeah, uh, I can choose. I can choose to make it male or female or whatever. Right. But um, the default is but, female, though, right? Generally, pardon? like like Alexa and and Siri. I, you I think you can switch it. Bixby is Bixby male? Is that Bixby still around? You can switch it, but it starts female. Right. Yeah, but you, but you know, and most people yeah. keep it as. Um, I would guess. No, but but where I got stuck on this whole thing was, um, her whole thing about displaced anxiety that women and people of color have and always had had sentience, and are beginning to act on it. <laughs> beginning. <laughs> like I, that was fucking yeah. stupid. Like that just stopped me as a woman of color. Who has had sentience, I believe, <laughs> most of my life. As far as uh, I can tell. As far as I can tell. Uh, you know, and I've acted on it as well. 
I may not have, have uh, been able to change the world with it, but I, but like it, it's, it was a, it, it's a very heavy handed quote and it, and it just, just turned in a way that just went, I just went, okay, well you lost me now because it's not, this isn't my, my, what I'm worried about with AI isn't that I'm worried about women and people of color. Well, the, I think the unspoken target here is Elon Musk, right? Because he's always going on Joe Rogan saying, AI is a big threat, although that's not a quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's close enough. <laughs> I think there's a, there is a sense in the billionaire community um, that it's an issue, but... I think it's the same sense that this lady, uh, Monica Byrne has. It's, it's basically, Hey, yeah, um, this was a real issue, like in 1968. <laughs> and, and we've sort of got past it now that the real AIs are here. Uh, no, you know, Siri is not that smarter. My mom's always talking about how smart Alexa is. I'm like, mm, it's not that smart, right? It can answer very simple c- questions. Uh, from a very basic list like if you ask what's the weather uh tomorrow it can answer that question it it but it can't it can't answer like um what's the difference between sulfur and carbon yeah um i was listening to a a podcast and he was talking about um people that cheat at chess chess players that cheat Mm -hmm. and how some of them put a, a, a computer like they hide computers on themselves or, mm-hmm. or they have access to computers because computers do play chess better oh yeah but they said the, the, that you can always spot a computer chess player uh, or a computer playing chess because um they don't think ahead a computer playing chess will, is only looks at the board right at that moment so there's no i'm going to kill humanity tomorrow Yet, maybe at some point, but right now it's. We got you know, humans doing that. I don't think we need to worry about AIs doing that. <laughs> we should worry more about people yeah. than AIs. Yeah. They're they just you don't they don't have the kind of processing that thinks like us. So yeah. it, 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 since, since I, wanna, I just read Godel Oscar Bach, and he talks a lot about. Now, from a 1980 perspective about computer intelligence and how it might involve it, I mean, it's, I mean, it's now 40 years out of date in that regards. And some of his things about, oh, yeah, computer's never going to be a human at chess. Like, well, yeah, that didn't turn out to, that prediction didn't pan out. It just took enough brute force approach. Though the, we don't, I mean, what intelligence is and how we actually could actually put it in a computer is, Something that the book talks about, and it's not anything that computer programming programmers who are trying to actually make AI actually seem to actually try to work on. I mean, um, I mean, the movie, movie Ex Machina very hand wavies how uh, how it gets bootstrapped to actual sentience, but we don't we don't as a species understand how sentience actually comes about. And if we don't know that, yeah. then we don't know how to actually program or create it in something else. Exactly. It's it's a it's the biggest mystery that there is. I this think. is this is total bullshit. Why, is what well, the, I want to go back to sentience in a way. Terrible. Back to the to the to the argument, kind of what Mice was saying. Like, do sexists and racists deny sentience? I, I 
to the people that race like, a long time ago in the 19th century been. no in the 19th century they would say things like uh, no, they don't feel the pain century. right no. oh that's 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 nonsense there was laws in like the french caribbean on the treatment of slaves sure that, that's in that case they have they can feel pain right no, it acknowledged them as people yes I but mean, they, I mean, you know, powerless. There, was, being powerless has, has is not the same as being non-sentient. Yeah. Has there ever been a? There, I mean, maybe there's some solipsis somewhere. Um, I, I, I mean, sentience is the wrong word. I think maybe, I and, and I'm going to use it in the broadest sense of the word, human. I mean, for I mean, I mean, under slavery, lots of people were considered to be less than human, and 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 for and some. People today still believe that certain ethnic minorities you, and women uh, are. But less come on, humans. Paul. You can find people no, today I, 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 who believe all sorts of stuff. The, 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 the numbers of people I, who I believe that race, the history of race, quite a lot. No, but hey, look, there, you could find somebody in the planet who believes almost anything, right? Believes that Jesse's feet are worthy of worship, and that, that wouldn't even be Jesse, right? <laughs> One of your you, teams, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible to find because there's like. I don't know, six, seven, eight billion people on the planet, right? A lot of people. Um, it's possible to find pretty much anybody. But if we're just don't, like, let, look at the two examples she talks about. I, I want to point out how it's all about movies and not about books. It's all about, um, in the pop popular consciousness and not about, you know, w w those sources. So for example, ex machina is not a particularly original thought. But it's a good movie. But it's very old in terms of, uh, you know, like, there's stories from the 1930s. Lester Del Rey stories in which, uh, you know, ro men build robot wives, right? <laughs> very well, popular. That's, that's, that's true of a lot of science fiction movies that they're far behind the time. Right. As far as... So let's, let's look at the one that's based on, you know, a book, Blade Runner. <laughs> mentioned in the second sentence right there's six robots all of them want one thing which is more life fucker <laughs> <Right? laughs> too bad um, she won't live but then again who does and and they all want the same thing and their murder is not based on their gendering it's based on the fact that they're slaves and they're runaway slaves and he's a slave hunter Right. It's it's not about their gender. Now, if you look at what they, you know, you, you look deep into the into the movie's canon, you know, what it says on the screen when Leon's face pops up, you know, they're part of a, some of them are like killers, assassins and other ones are like sex workers. Right. So there is gendering going on. That's why they're gendered. But it's not about that's not what the movie's about at all, right? It's way past it being, I'm saying past, but it's just not about that. Ex Machina is actually really interesting because it's, her, she uses her, this female robot uses her sympathetic femaleness on a heterosexual male to escape slavery. So she's using the skills that she has. Right, and the skills that she was programmed, and the skills that the programmer specifically created to see if she could be could do it. 
So I mean, I mean, she, I mean, I mean, he even says he, she was given a, a, she was a rat in a maze with one way out. But if you not only the rat, the maze, but the rat as well. If you if you look at what she's talking about, she's saying I draw special attention to the treatment of AI in these narratives. Think ex machina, right? So what happens at the end of the movie? She escapes, and we think, well, that was clever. Um, the poor guy, but she also was being held hostage. Um, so more power to her. That's what we think at the end. Now, it's possible that um, the author of this tweet s- sat down, saw that movie, and says, Elon Musk hates this movie <laughs> because of the ending. And I think that, you know, if you read it that way, it makes more sense. But to, of her two examples, one of them is just completely wrong, and the other one doesn't support her very much. So I, I, I think this is complete posturing. It's like, it's, she's got an idea and it's just wrong, but notice the evidence she presents. And then she goes back and says, wow, I think about this all the time. This thing I wrote that I'm completely wrong about. It's like, we need to invade Iraq today because Saddam has weapons of mass destruction. He's going to destroy us all. Right. So you go in there (laughs) and you look around and you look around and you go, Hey, you know, that manufactured evidence that we presented uh, to the UN and all that? Yeah, I guess that was wrong, but we had good feelings, uh, feelings about it, so I, I think we were right to do it anyways. Where's the evidence? I, I, I imagine that there's some movie trailer I haven't seen where there's a robot or an AI on a spaceship. I mean, there are lots of examples she could have used. She could have used Mother in Alien, Right. Um, it's counterexampled by the computer in, um, oh, which, that, that which is just a ripoff of, of. That makes me think of I Am Mother, which is a Netflix movie. It's a good movie, but which which also has a, which has this uh, mostly sympathetic female AI. Yeah, well, uh, there's lots yeah, of examples. Also, Sorry. Oh, oh, I was going to say there's also Westworld, where you've got all the AI. Aren't we supposed to do an episode on Westworld sometime, Jesse? Oh, that's a, that's a Marissa idea, but, um, I think the show went to pot. I don't, I don't know. I've only seen the first season, but, um. And we were going to have to find a way to do it through a book, right? Because honestly, the problem is, is movies just, they're good. I love movies, but they're not very deep compared to, uh, generally, they're, they're not very deep compared to books. That's the limitation of the medium. Yeah. Yeah, it's about a different thing, right? It, the me, every medium yeah, is a little you, bit different. You just have more room in a book, in the, for the most part. Yeah. But even a TV show, you know, I, I, I like TV shows, but they're not very deep, compa- even if you're, you're extended, right? Not very deep compared I, to... I, I think you're overgeneralizing, but I see your point. Well, I mean, I, I don't. Th- I think the vast majority of TV shows are incredibly shallow. <laughs> so I mean, there are some that are a little deeper than that. That, that doesn't guess anyway. Most, most everything is shallow and crap. But that's that's just like <laughs> popular or not. So like that's so shallow and crap TV shows. Well, that's, well, that's Will's Billywick. <laughs> It doesn't mean I don't watch it, but I just say like, recognize what it is. 
that's like even more pessimistic than Sturgeon's Law, right? Because like Sturgeon's Law, like at least like posits that there's like actually like like as much as one tenth of the things that are made are like kind of good. Sturgeon was an optimist, like but Paul's is just like much uh, more pessimistic. It's like it's all crap, but I I, I consume it anyway. <laughs> oh wow, that is that is dark. I'm feeling my age today, maybe I don't know. I, I just don't think I don't I don't think there's anything. To, so when when Paul, my friend, retweets something like this, I have to think, what um, is he seeing in this that I'm not seeing? Not necessarily endorsements. I guess I guess, but it wasn't a, den- a denouncement either, or a mocking is what I did. Yeah, but yeah, but do you? But aside from things like Donald John Trump, do you see me mock? Do you see me mock people? Mock things in science fiction aside from the puppies. Or just mock worthy. I don't mock a lot in science. No, because it's the water I swim in. But if I mean, if it it provides debate and pushback and hey, it's great pre-show material. Great pre-show material. No question of that. Now, what did you have? Why did you not like um, that uh, Lord of the Rings? (laughs) Redo the the whole thing about being canceled and everything. What canceled and banned? Kind of felt. Oh, it's called a long expected banning. The um, yeah, the t- okay. Did, did, did you? Done I, I felt, I felt, I felt attacked. Really? It was not meant for. It was just uh, something I. I was thinking about driving home while listening to this book because you, you've criticized me for being. It was not about you, Paul. Think about me. So I thought. I I I felt. I I felt. I felt the guns pointed at me. That is improper because it was not directed and you I, I directed it at you because I thought it was funny and fun. And I I know you're a fan of Lord of the Rings. Um and it's very much about Twitter. <laughs> okay. A lot of people like one particular line. And it was also a fun one to write, I've noticed in the uh a long expected banning. Uh, see. Did you know that Sean Connery was offered Gandalf and he turned it down? That would have been weird. That is. He said, "I didn't. I read the books and I didn't understand them." <laughs> and then he said, "I read the books and I saw the movie and I still didn't understand it." And he did a League of an Extraordinary Gentlemen, and that was his last one. Could have been Gandalf. Well, Could they pr- they Gandalf. probably offered him a lot of money. Instead, yeah, instead he was out in Quarmine and. A terrible adaptation. Yeah. Well, I, I also understand he was offered the camp, the the short, the small role in the second Matrix movie, and he turned that down because he didn't understand it either. But that, you know, the architect, remember from the second Matrix movie? I didn't see more than two minutes of the second Matrix movie because okay. I it's was toward like, the, it's toward annoyed. the end of the second Matrix movie where Neo finds out what's really going on, and yeah. And and this and this guy. <laughs> we need more money. White <laughs> bearded guy explains, "Yo, yeah, that this has been going on all this time, and all these you you are you are just another member of you're just another iteration of a loop and all that stuff. And it's 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 nonsense." So the, I have some questions about Sean Connery here, though, because <laughs> like like uh, you know like the distinguished Sean Connery like was in multiple Highlander movies and like including the one that made no sense. You mean number two? I think it was only in two. But yeah. yeah, yeah. And like the second one, like the first Highlander movie, I can see him understanding that. Okay, I get it. Um, the second Highlander movie was I got movie, paid like, a shit ton of cash. 
Well, he, he appears after like lightning strikes from the sky, right? Like, how is he reincarnated in that movie? Um, I try not to think about the second Highlander movie as much as possible. That's Will. the quickening. The quickening. Stop it. Stop it. I don't the want to quickening. Think about that movie. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, so I I think that, or maybe being in the Highlander franchise was just so like uh, constitutionally traumatic to him that he's like, I'm never doing. Anything. I'm a Scottish Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> from Spain. <laughs> um, the the one they liked the most was it will have to be paid for. They tweeted it isn't algorithmical, algorithmical, and trouble will come of it. Um, I'm sorry, I had to bring that in because I I just think that that's that is uh, that opening of that book is really fun. <laughs> that's why i was thinking about it it is a met it's got to be rewritten as a metaphor so i'm looking forward to will finishing it off well i i think it's your turn again now oh shit i don't know what to do I, it was hard because yeah it is hard it is hard to rewrite lord of the rings <laughs> really <laughs> well yeah. even like just no it's filing off the serial numbers right and then rewriting it because it's about I was thinking about like how uh what's the Orville does that, right? They have their a- analogs. But wh- what was the what how did I start off with? Well, I said like um I think I said uh I'm thinking of rewriting the <laughs> post scarcity well, right, of post scarcity. Right? Huh? Pat Murphy wrote rewrote the Hobbit as space opera. Oh no, I didn't know that. What book is that? Um, and and then she wrote a couple books that kind of tied in with that. Um, well, there and back again. And then and then she wrote Adventures in Time and Space with Max Merriwell, where characters from one book show up in the other, and there's a third book, and they kind of they they kind of like all the characters all kind of wind up in each other's. But it's very it's very Lewis Carroll that way. It's kind of like. The, but yeah, but the first there and back again, just straight up is The Hobbit as if it was a space opera. So, uh, yeah, I, I should have sent this to uh, Evan as well. Um, I don't, I was in my car driving, literally. I shouldn't have been texting. You should, you should not be tweeting while you're driving. I was at like a, I was at a light or something, you should, right? You should not be tweeting. I while just you're had to, I, I, it was DMing, Paul. It's different. No, you, you should not. <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> Famously, famous last tweets. No, no, oh. I, I, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You think I'm laughing, but I'm serious. I, 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 I was parked. I, I was not parked. I was at a light, so no, I got somebody honked no, at me. Don't but do that. Don't. I don't. I don't want you to get yourself killed. Or I wasn't moving because of an inattentive driving. I'm. I'm safe, Paul. Don't worry. No. <laughs> Anyways, no, let me, tw- it me. Congratulations, it pissed me off today. Don't do that. No, I was literally not moving. There's no way for me to. You you were operating a motor vehicle in a non-parked position. <laughs> no, don't do that. I don't. I don't DM or tweet while while driving. You were driving. You you parked. Stopped at a light. Is driving. Uh, I used to read while driving. Like read books. Yeah, that's, that's dangerous. Stoplights. That's don't dangerous. Do that. At stoplights, yeah, yeah that's yes, okay. Yes, we, yeah. Well, I haven't driven in years. I haven't really driven much lately. Yeah. Or I was uh, like commuting. 
All right, I'm going to read this. How do you think I got all the reading? Anyway, Evan needs I, to hear I, it. I'm, 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 I'm sorry you pressed one of my buttons. I'm, well, you're not a robot, so it will be all right. Uh, thinking of rewriting <laughs> Lord of the Rings as post-scarcity SF with Philbo Sagans and his robot Mass, M-A-S, Sam Backwards. Um, that was to point out that the robots would be uh, uh, the lower classes. Um, and I say, they live in a... Will says, tell me more while I'm driving. Um, <laughs> they well, live in a hollow tree. Say, hey, Will, I'm driving and I have this idea. <laughs> they live in a hollow tree. And uh, uh, Will says, is Mordor a revanchist capital trying to enforce scarcity? I don't know what revanchism is. Revanchist? It means like it's coming back. Oh, okay. And I say... Irredentism. Okay. I say elves are trans people. Dwarves are bikers. I was thinking, like, the Klingons are bikers, too, after that, um, which is really fits with no, Evan's this theory. Is, this, is, this, is my, this gets to my Klingon theory. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe everyone is, it's post, the whole Middle Earth is post-scarcity, so yes. LARPing. It's yes. like the Klingons. Yes. Mordor, uh, I say Mordor is Microsoft, Soraman is C. Steve Jobs, and Gandalf is co-founder of Apple. I couldn't remember his name, but we'll point it out. Woz, it's Wozniak, right? Uh, but he, he would make a good Gandalf. And, uh, he says, Wozniak is a socialist, right? <laughs> That's a very well question. I say, probably. <laughs> I say, he's not evil. Anyways, and then Will talks about how he gives away money to socialists, socialist organizations. And then I sent him the first tweet and then he says, I will write the authorized sequel to shortly. So. Uh, I mean, you, you asked me to. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I look forward to reading it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's really, really ridiculous, and it's very hard to, to maintain. To, no, I mean, like to think about who is what and what the like. Saruman, right? He's he's uh. That's why it has to be Wozniak is is uh, Gandalf because they used to be buds. Right. Right, and and Jobs is evil. So it, 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 mapping well, it onto sure, our yeah, world. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah. Um, there was, wasn't there a third person who was like, uh, maybe not. Anyways, Microsoft is one guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and Steve Jobs is dead. So it's not really our world, but it's, it's an analogy for it. Right. It's interesting. It's interesting to think about how you can do that. You can map. Reality using fiction. It is. Speaking of which, we go. We have a book to talk about. Yes, and this has all been uh, set up. You ready? There we go. Jesse, uh, Paul, um, Misa, Misa, uh, right? Yeah, Misa, uh, Evan, and Will. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Oh shit! I'm gonna get out. Uh, wait, I'm in a sea of thirst. I'll be right back. I just need to get some water. Okay, <laughs> I'll be right back. In a sea of thirst. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that's, that's like one of the lines from the book. One of those dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> Little did Jesse know he would be thirsty before the podcast started. <laughs> That's right. Save it for the podcast. Disappear.
weird. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. Maybe it's the word wokeversary. I didn't even know what. Remember, that was the. I'm trying to adapt every sentence. And it was the birthday, 111th birthday, and that didn't make any sense. I, th- I think that word work of anniversary in particular made me think that you were trying to poke at me. I was not poking at you because although you're woke, I think everybody's fucking woke. Uh, we were all woke a way long time ago in the 60s or whatever. No, unfortunately, there are people who want to go back to sleep. Yeah, like, but you can't, you can't live your life based on, you know, the people who worship Jesse's feet, right? No, 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 but I have to live, I have to live with these, I have to work with these. There are exactly two people in the hundred people I work with at work who are not Trumpists. So I have to live with really? these people. Yes. Really. There is a cardboard cutout of Donald John Trump in <laughs> the boardroom and a, with a hat on, hat on it that says, make fans great again. Fans? So, oh, right, right. Fans, the uh, company. Fans, right. So, yes. So, yes. And and how many people is that? Uh, hundred, hundred people at our office in Roseville. And two of you are not. Two of two of us are not. It's, oh, yeah. it's it's popular. See, your shock is is why you know everyone thought like this would be an easy election, but yeah, the, 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 some of us knew better. Yeah, Minnesota, you must have known better, Paul. More you were... than people want people want to give credit for. And one yeah. of our plants is in South Dakota. Very very Trumpist. So I'm imagining that. Most of them are Trump. It's that not really that surprising. If I, you're not paying that, that close attention to the news, you know that the politicians are not doing you any favors. And if you are paying close attention to the news, you know that the politicians aren't doing you any favors. So unless you're in a particular class where you're one of the ones getting the favors or, you know, making those favors happen, you feel like it's not, it's not for you. So you, of course, you vote for the person who's against the things that have been you know, the last 45, 50 years. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, this but is what, what Christman's really been pushing lately. Christman? I think. Who's this? That What's his Matt Christman? Chapel House guy? Trapple oh, okay, I haven't seen... Trapple. I've only seen... Trapple, like, Trapple guy. The guy who does it in he's his backyard? Doing, is that his yeah, backyard? Yeah, he's been doing these, like, daily vlogs ever since Bernie dropped out of this. Like, wow. If you follow them... I don't know. You have, they're, you can just, they're very long rants. Them, but I like I liked uh, a lot yeah, of what he said, but they need to be condensed. It's just I don't have the time. I gotta I gotta yeah, watch, watch um every day. I gotta watch Jimmy Dore. That's uh, <laughs> me and Misa. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't watched for a couple of days. He's he's great. He's much shorter, unless you watch the live stream, in which case there's a lot more singing. <laughs> All right, let's get started, shall we? Everybody know their places. Let's get started, yes. All right, I'm getting. Oh, I keep forgetting to type in. I, I need. I literally needed some water. Uh, I'll fall. Did you not actually dust. get water? Oh no, I did. I, but I said I was in a sea of thirst because that's what I was thinking the name of the book was. All right. <laughs> no, that's the name of Twitter. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yeah, that's true. I will buy that. Will wins the tweets for the day, or the toots. Here we go.